Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together tonight to 2 Timothy chapter number uh, chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 as we come to God's Word tonight. Of course, again, uh, not to sound too redundant, but uh, of course Paul is writing uh, at the end of his life. And uh, he's writing his final words of instruction to his son in the faith, Timothy. And uh, of course, when someone gives their final words, we we ought to give great heed or great attention to what they have to say. And as God inspires Timothy to, 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 uh, to share these final instructions, our hearts are encouraged and we're helped as God brings everything in line uh, according to His Word. Uh, even in chapter 3, in verses 15, 16, and 17, we find uh, the emphasis here of this book. Uh, our need, the importance of God's Word in our lives. For all, for, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, that are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, And as we endeavor to live our lives, we we must keep things in their proper perspective. And in chapter 4, as Paul begins to wind this letter to a close, we find two times the mention of the Lord's appearing. Are Are you convinced in your life that Christ could return at any moment? Uh, uh, The Bible, and we'll look at this even tonight, but the Bible teaches that Christ's coming is imminent. That that there's not one thing that, that, that is hindering the Lord's return other than His long-suffering. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, the promise of His coming. But His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the Lord is coming. And, and we, must, we must refocus our lives upon the truth of his return. Look in chapter 4. In verse, in verse 1 he says, I charge thee therefore before, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Even in chapter 4 in verse number, nine, he say, or verse number 8 he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his, his appearing. Jesus is coming back, folks. You know, none of us know the day or the hour except God the Father. But we know that He will return. Why? Because He said He would. He said, Behold, I come quickly. And if you're able tonight, I invite you to stand with me as we read together here in God's Word, understanding that Christ is coming back. Uh, the importance of God's Word in our life, notice what Paul says as he begins to say his goodbyes. The Bible says in verse number 6 of chapter 4, it says, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, our prayer is that you'd help us this evening. As we look here in these verses of Scripture, God, that you'd open our eyes. That we may behold marvelous things from your law. God, that you'd help me as I speak tonight. Uh, given uh, You've shown me, you've taught me some things here. We've meditated upon these, these verses for, for days and weeks. And, and God, our prayer is that you'd help us live properly. Lord, that you'd bring us to the place tonight where we would unreservedly live for you. And God, there are so many things that we look forward to. And so God, we pray that you teach us to live for you tonight. To understand the importance, the significance of the hours, the days, the time in which we live. Lord, I'm reminded of what Mordecai said to Esther that she was brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And God, certainly we're alive today for such a time as this. So God, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight and challenge us. That you'd help us all leave this place tonight changed for the better. That in the invitation you would have your will and way in all of our hearts and lives. Father, we love you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to one word tonight. And as we, it's, in, it's found in verse 8. It's the first word we read in verse 8. It's the word henceforth. As we look at God's Word, even as we read through this passage of Scripture, sometimes we, it's, it's simple just to, to glance over, to, to just read quickly past the henceforths. The word henceforth means from this time forward. Or, and it speaks of all that remains. Of course, Paul, he's, he's writing at the end of his life. He's looked back. He's given great attention and great uh, remembrance to the things that, that had happened in his life, the things that, that God had done through his life. And in these fleeing moments, as, as he prepares to offer himself to the Lord as a sacrifice upon the chopping block of Nero, he makes a statement of henceforth. He would have such a, a grand entrance into heaven, wouldn't he? And if anybody received uh, the, the, the commendation from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I, I believe Paul's name would be at the top of that list. Can you imagine the, the souls that greeted him on the shores of heaven? All those that he gave his life to reach. Uh, all those that he ministered to, even in the moments of great adversity and suffering and affliction. Uh, the, the people he, he went after, the, the souls he pursued for, for Christ as he faithfully lived for his Lord. Henceforth. What a grand entrance. All of us here tonight want that, don't we? I want that for me. And you want that for you, don't you? When you take your final breath and enter heaven, when you come to that henceforth, 
That's what we long for. The truth of the matter is, we're all going to have regrets as we stand before the Lord. All of us will probably shed some tears as we look back, as we take an inventory of our lives and look at the things we did not, remember the things that that we should have done that we didn't do and the things we didn't do we should have done. All the bad decisions we've made, all the regrets of this life. But we think that Paul was immune to that. We we forget that, that Paul was a sinner just like you and me. And how he spent a good portion of his life seeking to silence the gospel, to exterminate the church, to stand in opposition of Christ. But there was a moment in his life where he made a decision. A decision to live for the Lord. It was on that road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, as the Lord met him there, as Paul placed his faith and trust in Christ for his salvation, Paul became determined to honor God with his life. In the moments after his salvation, do you think that Paul knew how mightily God would use him? Do you think that that at the moment of salvation, Paul knew that he was going to be an apostle to the Gentiles? Do you believe that Paul knew, even as he placed his faith in Christ, that that God was going to use him to, to, to write great portions of Scripture? Do you believe it? at the moment after his salvation that, that he knew that he would take three uh, tremendously phenomenal missionary journeys and reach the world with the gospel? No. I believe, though, Paul made the decision that he was just going to simply walk by faith and not by sight. I believe that Paul made a decision that day That he was going to honor the Lord with his life. That he had spent so much time working against Christ, he was now going to work with him. And he made a decision on that road to Damascus. It was a henceforth moment in his life. You know what we want? We want the henceforth found in verse number 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. We want the henceforth, there is a There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. That's what we want. Isn't it? But there has to be a henceforth before there's a henceforth. That road to Damascus, I believe that Paul said, from this time forward, Henceforth, I will live for the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. What decision must we make tonight? I pray that God helps us make the right decision surrounding our henceforth. 
that henceforth, from this time forward, with whatever I have left, I'm going to live my life wholly for Jesus Christ. And as we look here tonight, I believe there's four simple actions we can take that will help us live our lives for the Lord. Notice the first action we must take is simple. It's found in verse number 6. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. The Bible says, For I am now ready to be offered. The first action we take is to simply give ourselves to God. Have you given yourself to the Lord? The word offered here in verse number 6, this statement that he makes speaks of being poured out on the altar. To be poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. An offering. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians, if you would please. In Philippians chapter 2, you notice the Bible says, as we consider Christ's actions toward us. As we look in, in, in Philippians chapter 2, notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and, uh, and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In verse 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, notice what the Bible says, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Friends, we must offer ourselves to the Lord. Christ offered Himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Are we willing to offer ourselves unto the Lord? We want that great henceforth found in verse 8. But there has to be a moment in our lives where we say, henceforth, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to offer myself to the Lord. Every day, every moment, every hour. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you would please. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Paul is writing, he's commending the Macedonian church for their faithful giving to the relief of the needy. And in, so, in, in his commendation of the Macedonians, he is, he is correcting and encouraging the church at Corinth, to do likewise. 
the Paul is emphasizing here not what they had given monetarily, but what they had given spiritually to the Lord. Look what the Bible says in verse number 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. The Bible says, notice, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. What is the one thing God wants from you more than anything? He wants your heart. Do you believe that God had Paul's heart? Paul offered himself to the Lord. It was a gift that he had given Christian, if we're going to live for God from henceforth, it begins with our hearts. More than your money, more than your time, more than your treasures, more than their talents, God wants you. Because the reality is, if God has your heart, He's got all those other things. That's why Paul makes the profound statement in Romans chapter 12. Turn there with me, please. Back to Romans chapter 12. This great doctrinal treatise of the gospel. The implications thereof in the lives of the saints. It comes to the culmination, the crescendo, if you would, Romans chapter 12, the summation of everything that that had been building from chapter 1 till now. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is God's perfect will for your life? You ever thought about that? You will never know unless you give your life to Him. God wants your heart. From henceforth, let's offer God our hearts. Notice the second lesson we learned tonight. Turn back with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We must also know that at any moment we will stand before Christ. Look back in verse number 6. Paul writes, he says, For I am now ready to be offered. And notice, and the time of my departure is at hand. When will you die? None of us know. Do we? None of us know. I pray that I never die. 
That's my goal, is to never die. If the Lord tarries His coming, we all will die. All of our bodies will, will wax old and, and we will all pass away. The Bible says in, in Psalm 89, verses 47 and 48, Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? He shall, or shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? It's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. In Psalm 90, verses 10, 11, and 12, the Bible says the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. If the Lord tarries His coming, we're all going to die. I'm going to stand before the Lord, and it could happen at any moment. All of our times are in God's hands. Do you realize that, that if you're going to die, there's nothing you can do to avoid it? It's kind, of, it's kind of a morbid truth, isn't it? None of us want to think about that, but it's fact. You know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus is, could come any moment. You know, as we look in the Word of God, we find that the Bible teaches concerning the imminent return of Christ. In Revelation, listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 16. In verse number 15, Christ says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he uh, walk naked and they see his shame. talks about living for the Lord, doing what's right. Revelation 22, verse 7 says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Again, Jesus is coming soon, so we better walk in obedience. In, in Revelation 22 and verse 12, the Bible says again, as Christ speaks, and He says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work shall be. Jesus is coming back. And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life ever conscious of that truth. Because when the Lord comes, I don't want to be found idle. When the Lord returns, I don't want to be doing something God did not give me to do. When Christ returns, when I die, I don't want to die and leave a life of great vanity, of emptiness, of worthlessness, because the reality is only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Turning your Bibles to James, please. James chapter 4. And listen to the advice that the Lord gives us concerning life. Paul, he made the statement that he was, that he was ready to be offered at the time of his departure was at hand. He was ready to go. Why was he ready to go? Because he lived his life on purpose. He didn't get the cart ahead of the horse. He understood whom he was living for, the work that God had given him to do, 
He understood the brevity of life, that every moment matters. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. He understood that his days were numbered. He understood the significance of time. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. What do we waste our time on? Every Sunday morning, at a certain time, during church, my phone vibrates. It buzzes. You know what it tells me? tells me how much time I spent on it this week. tells how many hours I spent on my phone, on the different applications. It tells you. How much time do we waste? You know, you can never get time back. Once it's spent, it's gone. Never return. So teach us to number our days. But the Bible says in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, the Bible says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. The Bible says in verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's interesting that God put verse 17 in that passage of Scripture concerning time. Isn't it? How much time do we waste? How many excuses do we offer and say, Well, I'll just do that tomorrow. Recently I had someone call me, They're, one of their loved ones is on their deathbed and they were concerned for their soul. They said, I don't know how much time this person has. All I know is I need to get there uh, to their bedside and witness to them. He says, I've been making excuse after excuse after excuses, but I'm done making excuses. I need to go. He says, what do I do? How do I handle this? prayed with them, gave them some advice, and they went and shared the gospel with their loved one on their deathbed. You know, we, we use time as an excuse, don't we? I don't have time. Well, if it's been said once, it's been said a thousand times by better people than me. We make time for what is important, don't we? 
we make time for what is most important. And when we stand before the Lord, none of those excuses will hold up. One of my great prayers and desires for 2020, after all we've been through, <laughs> you know, is that God would give us, that God would give me a greater sense of urgency. A greater sense of urgency. Because He's, he's going to come back. He promised. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1, as the apostles stand on the Mount of Olives, gazing up into heaven as Christ ascends out of sight. The Bible says in verse 9, And when He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The Lord's coming back. It's a promise. Paul wrote, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. So hoist the anchor and set sail. That's what the word departure means. I'm going to hoist this anchor, and we're going to set sail. We just spent a week at the beach, and the first day we got there, we noticed that there was a ship anchored off the shore. It was there all week. One day, it would hoist its anchor, and it would set sail. Same with our lives. Our ties to this to this world will be severed, be loosed, and as prisoners we'd be set free. We'd be at home in glory, standing before our Lord, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. And friends, as we live our lives for God, we must never forget we will stand that we will stand before Christ. None of us will avoid it. It's the appointment that all men have. Notice the third lesson we learn. It's that we must live faithfully for God. We must live faithfully for God. Look back in 2 Timothy 4, in verse number 7. And notice what Paul says. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 
You know what Paul was saying? He said, I have no regrets. Because I've been faithful with what God has given me to do. He's given me a job and I've, and I've completed it. I have, I have, I have. Will you live faithfully for the Lord? Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, uh, or Acts chapter 20. Sorry, Acts chapter 20. And notice what Paul says in verse number 24. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He says, But none of these things move me. Either count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul went through many things. He listed them for us in chapter 3. Again, of, of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says again, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Christians, but Paul, he made the statement, in the midst of the trials, in Acts chapter 20, we find Paul in the midst of it. In 2, Peter, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4, he's looking back what had happened. But even in the midst of all the daunting trials of his life, he says, but none of these things move me. Why? Because he wanted to finish well. How can I finish well? If we're going to finish well, we must live faithfully. Day by day. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Every day is intentional. Every step is intentional. We must uh, pace ourselves. We must exercise. We must, we must do what must be done. Even, even as, as Paul wrote in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, chapter, verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In verse number 5 he says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully? It's he that runneth a race, run all. So Run that ye may obtain. We must live faithfully for the Lord. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And I'm thankful that the Lord is faithful, aren't you? Because I am not always so faithful. The truth of the matter is none of us are. We all need God's help to be faithful to Him with our lives. But if we're going to have that great henceforth, we must determine that henceforth I'm going to live faithfully for the Lord. Whatever God gives me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever opportunity I can, uh, God gives for me to serve Him, I'm going to take it. I want to serve the Lord. Henceforth. Notice lastly tonight that we must love His appearing. Do you love the Lord's appearing? 
Look in verse 8. We want that crown of righteousness, don't we? It says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? What I'm about to say, I don't want to sound judgmental, okay? So I prefaced it, all right? If I sound judgmental, I apologize. I don't, I don't intend to sound judgmental. But I think many times we love the thought of the Lord's appearing. The thought of it. Don't we? I love the thought of His appearing. But how many of us love the truth of His appearing? The reality of it. What are you living for? Are you living for the Lord's return? Because that's what we ought to be living for. Are you living for His coming? Or are you living for this world? I want to live for His coming. I want to love His appearing. The the appearing of Christ, the, the second coming of our Lord, has many promises associated with it. I think of the great victory that it pro- that were promised in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Think about the great reunion that we have with our loved ones promised in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 John, chapter 3. I think one of the greatest promises we find concerning the Lord's appearing is the truth of a completed work. Look what the Bible says in 1 John, chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear, not, I'm sorry, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him but we shall see Him as He is. We're going to be like Him. The work is complete. What work? The work of Romans chapter 8. Turn there with me please to Romans chapter number 8. This is your destiny. Your destiny is to be like Christ. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Friends, you and I will be like Christ. This is what we've been predestined to. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. We shall see Him as He is. Look in verse 3 of 1 John chapter 3. What's the byproduct of all of that? Because the Lord's coming back. What does that push me to do? The Bible says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Places I used to go, I don't I don't go there anymore. The things I used to say, I, I, I don't say them anymore. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And those pleasures of sin, we understand, only last for a season. And you and I have a higher calling in life. Our calling is to be like the Lord, who is pure. Therefore, we purify ourselves. What does that mean? It means I separate myself from the things of this world. And draw closer to my Lord. And I spend time with Him in His Word. That I commune with Him in prayer. When's the last time you communed with the Lord in prayer? So oftentimes our prayer lives are just a bunch of asking. I mean, that's what prayer is, isn't it? It means to ask. When's the last time you spent time with the Lord just to spend time with Him? And worshipped Him. Just because you love Him. Friends, there's sanctification involved. We look back in Romans chapter 8 for the sake of time. We, there's justification. And there's glorification. I'm justified and I, one day I will be glorified. But between now and then, I ought to be sanctified. I'll be set apart for my Lord. Henceforth. Henceforth. Do you want a good, great henceforth? 
you stand before the Lord. We want that henceforth. We want that crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give us at that day. That's what we want. That's what Paul received. Because he determined that henceforth he was going to live for the Lord. Christians, will you henceforth live for God? Will you henceforth live your life for Him? Will you give yourself to God? Will you, will you live knowing that at any moment you will stand before Him? Will you live faithfully for God? Will you love His appearing? Henceforth. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's all stand to our feet. In a moment, the piano will begin to play softly. How many of us tonight with uplifted hands will say, Pastor, I want that henceforth spoken of in verse 8. That glorious time, that crown of righteousness. Is that you? I've got my hand raised. I want that. Amen. But how many of us will henceforth live for Him? You know, we want... We want the crown, but we don't want the work involved with the crown, right? We don't work in order to, we work because of. But we have to come to the place of decision in our lives. But we say, henceforth, I'm just going to live for God. Is that you tonight? How many of you will raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me, because henceforth, I'm going to live for the Lord. Amen. How many of you... You need to offer yourself to the Lord. Dedicate your life to God. To leave your place. Say, God, here I am. Here's my life. Take it. Use it for your glory. I, I present it to you as an offering. As a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. How many of us will live henceforth knowing that at any moment we will stand before the Lord. It always helps keep a proper perspective of life, understanding that at any moment Christ could come. At any moment this life could be over. At any moment I will stand before my Lord. May God help us live for Him. How many of us would say, Pastor, pray for me. That God would help me be faithful. I want to live faithfully for the Lord. Is that you? Amen. What's God given you to do? You realize that God-given responsibilities never are never in conflict? What God has given us to do never conflict with anything else. If we have our priorities right. It could be being the best Christian husband, the best Christian wife, the best Christian father or mother, the best employee in your workplace, the best testimony, the best servant of the Lord. Find a place in the local church. Find your place in serving in the local church. How many of you will begin living for the truth 
of the Lord's coming, not for the things of this world. Is that you? May I pray for you? Amen. The Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He that win his souls is wise. We cannot take one thing that we have in this life to heaven with us. The pyramids are proof of that. Full of artifacts and antiquities from generations past. But you can take someone with you. The souls of man we can send on ahead. May the Lord help us. Father, we pray tonight. We ask for your help. Lord, that we would determine in our hearts to henceforth live for you. Lord, many hands were raised tonight. We pray that many decisions were made this evening that glorify Christ. Father, we're all wanting a great entrance into heaven. So even Paul said that henceforth, but God, we must come to the point in our life where we decide that we will henceforth live for you. Unless we do that, we will never have what we find in verse 8. So Lord, may we be faithful. May May we yield ourselves to you. May you use us for your glory. We live consciously in your presence, understanding that any moment, We will stand before you. God, we pray that you'd help us be faithful in all things. And love your appearing. Father, give us safety tonight as we leave this place. Bring us all back to the appointed times. We pray that you do a work in our lives here this evening. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the truth of Scripture. And Lord... Give us grace this week to live our lives for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a reminder, of course, Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, if you'd like to come help us set up for, uh, for Sunday. And then 8.30 Sunday morning, we'll finish putting things out. But please be praying for God to do a great work this coming Sunday. May the Lord bless you. Have a good week.